Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I'm so excited today to have my guest, Tissa Richards, here today with me. And I'm going to let her do an introduction of herself. And then we're going to get into a great conversation about her book and all the cool things that she's doing out in the world today. Welcome to the show, Tissa. Thank you, Susan. I'm so, so excited to be here. It's really great to see you again. Um, And yeah, like you said, or, you know, to sort of do a quick intro, I am a keynote speaker, a TEDx speaker, and a, a leadership expert, recovering tech founder and CEO. And uh, <laughs> I say that because you never know when you're going to start another software company. But um, yeah, so that's that's sort of the area I play in. And I'm known for being really pragmatic and actionable and really working to move the needle, especially on sort of diversifying C-suites and boardrooms. So really excited to be here. So I would love to start with your experience as a software company founder and what that experience was like for you and why you moved out of it. Yeah, I I think it's, and I say this, so I say recovering not to make light of addiction, but because it is a little bit addictive and, but you know, I don't know why we glamorize entrepreneurship so much. Um, it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's it's really grueling. Raising money is frankly really awful. Um, the the people side is really fun. You know, creating teams, bringing people together. But that that other side of like dealing with investors, raising money, and sort of working twenty four seven, literally twenty four seven for years, uh, and making no money, literally no money. Um, and risking everything is not fun. And I think there's only so long you can do it uh, until you just, you burn out and there's, your cup is empty and there's nothing left. And if you're not thriving, your company can't thrive. So um, I think I reached a point where I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I've, I've put in my time and I'm ready to do other things. Wow. But I imagine there's so many great experiences that you took away from that, that you're able to now apply in conversations that you're having with leaders and in their own companies today. I I think so. And I think that what it also helps you be able to do is sort of see patterns, 
look at risk, um, be able to tell a story um, really succinctly. I mean, you have to, right, to raise money or to be compelling. You know, if you're trying to hook a customer, an early customer to take a risk on you, you have to learn how to be persuasive. You have to learn how to bring people along on that risk with you, right? And that's a really important skill for any leader, even on a big Fortune 50. So I do, there's a lot that I think you learn. Um, and now not sort of being on that on that journey or on that sort of really grueling side, it's nice to sort of learn, take that and then do something where you're actually able to take a weekend or sort of like lift your head up and go, wow, I, I can enjoy parts of it now that you, once you're in it, you you can enjoy it as much. So to take a, big, a bit of a breath. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, you just have only seen a lot of those stories on TV or read about them, right? The experience of being, you know, that person it is a ton of stress and pressure and yeah, I can only imagine that it would just take away all work-life balance that you may have thought you could even have with that. I don't know what those words, I don't think I knew what those words meant. You know, I reached a point where I was like walking through airports and hotels and, and just leaking exhaustion in the form of tears. I didn't even know I was crying. I just was, yeah. I, people would be like, what's wrong? And I'd look behind me, like wonder what they're <laughs> what? And they point to me, and I'm like, "Oh, that, oh, that, yeah, no, this is fine. This is normal." And I thought, "This is my normal day. Awesome. I, I always cry every oh. day." <laughs> this is not thriving. Oh. This is not a good thing. No, so that's oh a good sign gosh. that, like. Maybe it's time to do something different, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about your business, the things that you're doing with companies. What, what made you decide that this is the space you wanted to play in and how you wanted to help people? I don't think anyone's ever asked that before, Susan. I, I love that question. I think especially having been a woman sort of raising money and, and scaling companies and realizing how how much you need to know what are your values? What are your non-negotiables? How, how strong you have to be and how firm you have to be on what's important to you. Um, so that you never operate out of a place of fear out of a, like a place of scarcity, right? So that you, you're always making the right decisions, knowing what you bring to the table, what your values are, because, you know, you can lose a deal. You can even lose a company. It'll cost you a lot of money, but you can recover, right? You, what you can never recover is your integrity, your reputation. So those things are, those are scarce, right? Um, and so I think coming out of that mm -hmm. and saying, I never want anyone, but especially women to feel like they're making a decision out of, oh, could this be fatal? Could this be fatal to my career? Could this be fatal to my reputation? Could this be fatal to my finances? And so really helping people, leaders, executives say, I know exactly what I bring to the table. I know exactly what my non-negotiables are. And I'm going to operate at all times from that place, be really confident, really um, steady, really, um, just really, really sure of myself. And almost that sort of self-advocacy, because if you can advocate for yourself, then you can advocate for your team, then you can advocate for your company. And But I think you need to know. You need to know how to identify it. You need to know how to articulate it, communicate it internalize it. Um, so that's how I sort of thought I, I want to help teams, leaders, and organizations do that. And that creates a lot of very measurable value. And so that's, that's a lot of what I do. It's very actionable. It's not squishy. It's not sort of like, you can feel good about yourself. No, you really know who you are, why it matters, 
and how you're going to create a lot of value for the company this way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important, the whole self-trust side of things, because, you know, as they say, it's lonely at the top and it's hard to trust people sometimes. And so learning how to trust yourself and know that you're heading in the right direction, I think is so important. So you wrote an amazing book. I'm just going to read the title so I make sure I say it all correctly. No permission needed. Unlock your leadership potential and eliminate self-doubt. Who did you write that book for? I primarily wrote it for women who were either very senior in their careers or sort of heading up the, the ladder. What's interesting is how many men have come up to me and said, I really enjoyed your book. And I thought, well, that's great. I didn't write it to <laughs> kind of eliminate anyone as an audience, but I wrote it with specificity in mind. Um, but I really wrote it for people who, I mean, it's right there in the title, um, people who have self-doubt or have said to me, gosh, I feel like sometimes I don't deserve to be in the room. Or what if people find out that I don't really know as much as I think I do, or I just don't know how to sort of fully activate the potential I I know I have. Um, and I was just hearing the same things just like you do right every day, you hear the same thing over and over from people and you think, huh, there's a pattern here. How can we help? Uh, how can we help people by sort of giving the same answer in a scalable way? So interesting. You know, I, I was going to say the same thing because I work a lot in this space too. And um, my book was, I didn't think about women specifically. I didn't exclude men in any way, but I do think um, many women see themselves in it just, I think, because of me and my stories and those experiences that I had. Um, but there are so many men that suffer from imposter syndrome, self-doubt, um, struggling with their own insecurities and haven't um, maybe figured out a way to get through that. So I love that your book is is resonating with them. I think that's amazing for them too, because they don't need to ask for permission either. <laughs> let's let's eliminate that for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a surprise that right. that everybody experiences it. I think it was a really delightful surprise that it was resonating just with a, a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So, people who read your book, what is the promise that they're going to get after reading it? Like, what are they going to learn? What are they going to be able to take away? I think that the really key. What will you learn is. Um, number one, how to be very declarative about yourself, how to actually learn to speak about yourself in a very confident and specific way. I think we are too generic about ourselves and there are some very real consequences of being generic and almost apologetic about, about yourself. Um, so how do you, how do you be specific? How do you say, this is what I'm known for. This is why it matters. And then how do you learn how to do that? So it's one thing to sort of figure it out. And then there's another to get used to and comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think introductions are one of the things that I've spent some time on with people because it's very easy to say, you know, I'm a CEO of a company, right? And But then what's the so what, right? What is it that someone's going to remember about you? There's a lot of CEOs of company. Why are you different? Why do you stand out? And that's not something they teach you in school. And it's definitely not something that you even sometimes, you know, to your point, learn in companies. Um, So I do think that there are, I don't know, I'm just learning more and more about the words. The words that you say matter about yourself and how you describe things and how you talk about your team and how you talk about your company and the things that you're doing. I think they're so important. So I love that you, I love the word that you use declarative. I think that's a really impactful word to describe what's needed in that space. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. I think specificity is also really important. I think we, a lot of times we end up being very generic about 
you know, if I see one more resume that says I'm a senior leader, passionate about success, I think I might just vomit, right? (laughs) You know, of course, that's what we should all be. But tell me, tell me who you are. Tell me why it matters. And this also cascades to um, the second part of the book. So the first part is really about the value you bring and how you talk about it. The second part is the values and how you lead and why that matters. So, you know, I think a lot of times people will say, well, my superpower, I hate that word, by the way, because what does that mean, right? Um, but so I work with a lot of boards and, and a lot of, you know, board chairs will say to me, what is this superpower crap? Like, what, what is it? What does that mean? And I think words are great, but you have to connect them to outcomes. So if somebody comes to me and says, my superpower is empathy. Okay. Tell me why that matters. So if you say, well, I lead with empathy and compassion, that's fabulous. But I want you to now tell me, this is how it manifests. This is what my team can expect. And this is how we drive to outcomes. So if we can always, what you just said, so what are my two favorite words? I say it every day. I probably say those words 10, 12 times a day, right? So what? <laughs> so what? Like, and I say it lovingly, but so what? So if your mm-hmm. superpower is empathy, so what? Why will that make me want to work for you or with you as a board member? Why would, why do I care? Why would I want to bring you on as a anybody at any level in my organization? How are you actually going to hit your KPIs that way, right? or your OKRs, whatever your company does. If we can always connect the words we use, the way we describe ourselves with the outcomes, now people are going to go, oh, I understand why that's important. I understand how that connects to how you're a good leader, how you're a good deliverer. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. Uh, (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Now there's a so what to every way you describe yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so important. And I just don't think it's something that people think about the importance of it because, you know, you're setting, I don't know how they describe it, but like you have two seconds, right. To make um, an impression on someone, right. And they're going to look at you first and then listen to you second. And if you're not talking about yourself in the best way, or you're putting yourself down or your work down, you know, it sends a message. You don't maybe intend that, that to be the case, but it does. And I just think people need to be more in, I don't know, impactful with the words that they use, um, intentional in how they say things to really show their best self to the world. And I just don't think people operate that way <laughs> for, for many people, right? That haven't talked about some of these things that we're talking about today. It's interesting. Do you, do you feel like people do that because it feels arrogant or they're just not used to it? I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, in my in my experience, the things, and I even did it myself, you know, now that I know this, right, it's not something I do now, but I did it myself. And I think it was because I didn't want the spotlight on me. I think because I, I had imposter syndrome in a big way. And I've even seen it, seen it in men, like just diminishing the, the things that they're doing or that they're not good enough. And so it's really, I just feel like it's all starting up in your head and you know, that obviously impacts the words that you use and the actions that you take. So I don't know. That's what I've seen. Has it been different in what you've seen? I, I actually completely agree with you. And I, and I think that that's why sort of equipping people with great tools, like my favorite and so how strong, like how easy is this to just start with something like I'm known for mm-hmm. three, three words, right? I'm known for. And if you, if you can say that to yourself and you think, and it's amazing how many people will say, well, I don't really know the answer to that. Well, what are we paying you for? You're like, you know, <laughs> someone's paying you for something, right? So, but there's a, there's right. a power to words, right? And it's, it's really interesting. I had, I did a keynote 
And afterwards, someone said, oh, I, I really like all this. You know, I do these affirmations. And and I literally look in the mirror and I say, I'm, I don't know what she said. I don't want to denigrate her, but she says something like, I'm beautiful, I'm strong. I'm gonna, and I thought, well, that's great. But what if we were even more specific about these affirmations? What if you literally looked in the mirror every day and you said, I'm smart because I'm I'm valuable because I contribute like, and you actually did these affirmations on a professional basis where you pretended you were on a podcast. You were having a conversation like you and I were, and you finished that sentence with, here's why I am valuable to my company. Here's why I matter to my team. Like you actually finished the sentence and didn't just say, I'm important. I'm smart. Mm -hmm. You said, you're so what in each of that. And you and now you're literally, I don't know why I just pointed to my eyeballs. It came out your mouth, <laughs> went into your ears, and you're now actually internalizing, you're articulating. Now your self-talk is really specific. You're believing it, you're articulating it. Imagine how much more powerful you're going to be in customer meetings and team meetings when you're talking about a raise, when you're any situation, you've actually practiced it. So your affirmations aren't generic anymore. They're super specific. I think yeah. that's what we need to practice a little bit. Yeah. And I think it, I always try to help people think bigger and imagine the possibilities for themselves. And I think where you talked about value and using those specific words around outcomes, even people are going to remember that, right? And they're going to see the confidence in you. So it sometimes, you know, you have to start with these little actions every day that help you grow and get more confident. And so I think that's a really good a good thing. So everybody remember what you're so what <laughs> and be specific. <laughs> and what are you known for? I think those are amazing. So I love the words that you use when you describe the, the book. You want leaders to have an unshakable sense of self. Tell me what that means to you. I, I, I think it, what it means is not ever conflating failure with defeat so that so that's a lot about resilience right and that's individual resilience it's team resilience it's organizational resilience stuff happens i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but like am i allowed to swear sure minor swear okay well <laughs> it happens right like it, stuff happens all the time and a good leader just literally is able to either to themselves or their team say what are we going to do about it this is i think a lot of the lessons of being a startup mm -hmm. founder if you if you can't roll with it, then it's really hard to lead other people. So your ability to also lead yourself through that. And this is really keyed in with resilience because an unshakable sense of self is both about the value you bring. So maybe you don't get a job. Maybe you don't get that deal that you and your team were trying to get. Maybe whatever it is, maybe you don't get the funding. There's a lot of things that don't happen that you were thinking, well, we got this on the in the bag. And I, I like to say this, like the your foot's not ugly. The shoe didn't fit. It's not, it shouldn't shake your sense yeah. of self. Right. Then there's also the sense of like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to pivot? How are we going to figure out the next thing? And of course you should regroup, you should figure it out, but it should never knock you down so much that you're reevaluating everything. And a lot of this is, you know, I think about my last company, we had to shut it down. It was very traumatic financially. And, but if that sort of puts you in a fight or flight mode of what are we going to do? Do we still have value? Will anybody ever want me to work again? If it takes you down to that cellular level of, I don't know if I'm good enough, you're mm -hmm. shakable. And so if you 
really know the value you bring to the table. So what you're known for, why it matters, your so what, and your values, you're also able to stand up sometimes and say, this situation, I, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to take it off the table. And you're not going, it's not going to make you go into the fetal position under the table or into fight or flight. You're able to put everything in context and say, okay, situation is not optimal. We're moving on, but it's not fatal. It's not defeatist. And I think that's a really important thing is if your team sees that you're freaking out, that's not good for them. If you're the CEO and the company sees it, it's not good. It's that ability to be really unflappable and say, all right, what's the situation? We're going to deal with it. And you just move on. Um, that's resilience. That's mm-hmm. unshakable. I love that. Yeah, it's not letting these failures define you. It's not that, you know, you can do something else. You can learn from it. I, I always think of failure as an opportunity to learn, not an opportunity to sit in it forever. <laughs> I always say, okay, you get today. You can have today. You can have a glass of wine. You can do whatever. But tomorrow we're going to do something else. Let's get back on the horse and let's go. Um, So yeah, I think that's, and it's very easy to get into this um, place of shame, right? And, And feel like you aren't good enough after something like that traumatic happens to you. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you talk about in your book, the FAIR framework. I would love for you to just explain what that is and how people use that. Yeah, this it was interesting because I was trying to think when I work with teams, when I work with executive teams or sort of these high potential cohorts, what what's something, it, I'm sure you went through this too, right? So you sort of, you, you coach, you do these workshops and then you think, what's something that I continually go back to? And so putting it into the book. And so FAIR stands, it's F-A-R-E, and it's fearlessness, authenticity, resilience, and effectiveness. And it's in that order for a reason. When you know who you are, what you bring to the table, and the values you operate on, and that that takes work, right? That takes a little bit of like self-reflection and the ability to put it on paper and internalize it. But when you know that, you can operate very fearlessly because you're able to point to something and say, I'm no, this situation is not right for me or I can walk away. You can do a lot of things without fear when you know the value you bring. When you're fearless, you can be very authentic because you don't have to ever worry that you're going to have to try and act like someone else. It's exhausting to be like someone else. Mm -hmm. When you're fearless and authentic, that's when you can be your most resilient, right? You can be that very, you can be unshakable. It's really hard to be resilient when you are operating in a place of fear or when you're trying to be like someone else. So again, it's very carefully stacked up. And when you are fearless Mm -hmm. and authentic and resilient, that's when you can be your most effective. So as a leader, you really have two key deliverables. You have to deliver on your outcomes and you have to develop people. So it's hard to do that unless you can be all those things. So it's how do I help teams and leaders deliver their most effective outcomes it's by being all those things, fearless, authentic, resilient, and then effective. And so it was a very kind of carefully constructed framework um, that happened to spell a word. Let's head towards this to be very fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine was rise. So um, I had, you know, the same. I'm like, okay, cool. This is a word. This is, yeah. and I use it as a metaphor yeah. as well. Like you're Absolutely. rising up, right? So it's good I think instructional design, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it works. Uh, so 
Lisa, you mentioned this briefly earlier, but I'd like to go back to it about board, the board work that you're doing or helping women get on boards. Tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about that and how are you helping them get on a board if they've never done it before, if anyone wants to know the process for that. Yeah. So last year I directly helped guide a hundred women to public and private board roles. And I think this is really key for a couple of reasons. I think the more, the more sort of diversity of thought and representation in the boardroom, the better companies perform. And it's not just a token woman, obviously it's, it's to have, and these are people from all different. So, you know, GCs or chief human resource officers or CIOs or CISOs, you know, having a different profile of board director is important. Now you're bringing this diversity of thought as well. And I think the question of how do we do this is, is really important. So I think a lot of, there's a statistic, which of course I can't remember now that I'm on the hot seat, but most, the overwhelming majority (laughs) of both female CEOs and female board members did not until recently did not set out to do that. They were sort of tapped on the shoulder and someone said, Hey, have you ever thought about this? You'd be good. What happens is that then you're not really prepared. You haven't necessarily thought through it. You haven't optimized your network. If we can really start encouraging diverse candidates to think about this early, what you're doing is you're educating, you're really optimizing your network. You're letting people know I'm I'm on this path and that path may not happen for a few years. It's totally fine. But I think there's a lot of power in saying, I would like to explore this. I would like to head there so that if your network doesn't know that you're interested, they can't think of you. They can't, they can't kind of say, oh, wow, Susan would be great for this. Um, So again, there's power in the words you use and telling people your intentions. And I think it's also, again, being very declarative and specific. I, I'm known for this. I help this kind of company create these outcomes. I would like to add two boards to my portfolio. Who do you know that I can help? And it's just putting it out there so that people can come down the road and say, have you ever met Kim? Have you, we, I really should introduce you. That's the power. That's how we fill these 30,000 board seats a year that open up, right? Ideally it's through the, it's about 85% of boards are filled through your network. So it's sort of letting people know, but it's also get, again, being very specific about what you bring to who and how, and it's not being afraid to go narrow and be declarative about yourself so that people can remember you and they can scale you that way. 30,000 board seats. Is that just public or is that private and nonprofit? It's, it's not, it's not public. It's, it, I believe those are private okay. board seats and those are small, those are small companies as well, but there's, yeah, it's great. I mean, that's where you can really cut your teeth that's and learn a cool. lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I know that there, I know that you offer mm-hmm. a course on that and as well as a course for more emerging leaders and executives. So what are your what are your goals with those courses? What are what are people going to take away from those? Yeah, the goals with those are to really be able to, in two sentences, tell people what your what your value proposition is. I actually think of them as your catalyst statement um, because what is the catalyst, right? It's something that creates a reaction. So it's to literally nudge a reaction out of someone else, um, and that is, I want somebody to meet you and immediately say. Oh my gosh! Have, I hope I know somebody you should meet. I, can I introduce you? You know, um, that's how we kind of do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing, right? We um, we literally can, with the power of our networks, kind of create this very intentional um, scaling of each other's networks. 
So that's one of the outcomes is to be able to really hone in on why you, so what, how you talk about yourself, and then figure out what is it that you want to do next, whether it's for your team, for your company, for yourself. Um, so it's a very sort of curated network of, of people doing things, whether it's getting to the next level in their career, high potential cohorts, board seats. Um, and then a lot of those are also mm-hmm. in corporate workshops. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I just love that the whole premise behind what you're doing is is really helping people speak to their own value. I mean, they just haven't learned that yet. So it seems so simple, but not always so easy to do. <laughs> it seems easy, doesn't it? But I think it takes a little work. But it's really cool when you see somebody sort of suddenly go, yeah, that's that's me, right? Like, it, it's really fun. It is. I, yeah, I enjoy it as well. So I know you do a lot of speaking, a lot of keynotes. I just, I think it's fascinating because you've you and I met and you were off to do a bunch of keynotes for uh, International Women's Month. And um, and I know you've got another thing that I'm going to ask you about in a second. Uh, but I would love to hear, like, what are the biggest impactful topics that you speak about and any surprises that you've had in those moments where people were just like, aha, you know, all these aha moments happened for them and you could see it. I think that the, the biggest aha is when I really encourage people to flip the script about themselves. Um, so I speak, I do a lot of, you know, company all hands and leadership summits and sales kickoffs. And so in all those cases is to really remind people, we tend to talk, whether it's at a company level or a sales level or a personal level about what we do, why we do it, or sorry, what we do, how we do it. And encouraging people to always flip the script and give the, so what, give the, the context and not not give a pitch and to really always lead with the so what. And it's really interesting because that you see this light bulb go on and people are like, oh, I, God, I've always been pitching myself. And, and, or even whole sales organizations are kind of like, yeah, we have been going in with an elevator pitch. Let's go in and flip the script on it and, and ask the questions first and, and have that little bit more, the confidence to go in and not pitch, just, you know, have two sentences and then go with questions. I think it's that, watching that aha of, have I ever really boiled this down to a so what, even at a company level, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there's oh fun gosh. workshops that we do with that. And people are, people are sort of like, I kind of, I'll say, is that a how, or is that a so what? Oh, I think that's a how. <laughs> and, and just as you realize that we're so used to talking about what we do and how we do it, cause that's what we're, so we do all day. We do the what, we do the how, but really when you get people thinking about the so what, that's thinking strategically and speaking strategically. And that's a really good skill to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not one that a lot of people understand. And I think as they climb the ladder, it just becomes so much more important to be succinct, to be able to get your point across, to sell your ideas, uh, to influence others, right? Through the words that you use. It just, it's so impactful that way. Okay, so I, I hinted at this a little bit, but I would love to hear about your TEDx speech that you just did and what your topic was. Yeah, and I, this may not surprise you. So this was really fun. I just did a TEDx Austin talk and the topic was actually about resilience and making it a muscle memory and how a lot of times I think we think it's something that, you know, you'll figure it out when something big happens. But by the time something big happens, it's really too late. And that so it actually really shouldn't surprise you having read the book, but when you know your values and what's really important to you, 
you can literally practice it. So there's sort of three habits, um, reflect, repeat, and replace. So reflecting on your values, what's important to you. And we make thousands of decisions every day based on our values, right? Do we smoke? Do we pick up litter? Do we give money to people in need? What do you eat? Like all the things, but they're very automated. So when you really stop and think, what are my values? Is it empathy? Is it curiosity? Like it's to stop and actually take it out of that subconscious level, bring it up to a conscious level and say, here's my top three values. Let's say, here's why they're important. And then even just put them on a post-it note. So you can look and say, this is what's going to guide me in my work, in my life and in my, the way I react to hard things or resilience is also about opportunities. So there's two sides of that. And then the second is repeat. So it's, what's the thing we all tend to avoid the most? It's hard conversations, right? No one likes them. 95% of even managers and leaders try to avoid them. So how would you potentially use those values and practice lower stakes things? So like a hard conversation, if one of your values is curiosity is to go in and say, okay, let me think about how the other person in this conversation might be feeling. So you're going to de-escalate what you might be dreading, for example. So you practice and practice, make those easier. And then replace is that third habit, which is a lot of things that we think are hard, they sort of activate that fight or flight response, right? Where we're going to avoid, we're going to react instead of a calm response. But if you can go into them and always think, I can, I can do this before I like, let's pause. Let me think, which of my values could I actually apply here? So that whether it's an opportunity or whether it's a difficult situation, you can actually capture it. You can open up doors. Or if it's a more difficult situation, you can also say like a hard conversation or divorce, whatever it is, you've sort of trained your muscle memory to say, this is not as hard as I think it is. I know the values. I'm going to know how I'm going to approach this. Um, And so resilience is not just something you call on when you need it. You've practiced it in literally every day when the stakes are lower. So when the stakes are really high, you can, this is sort of this idea of being really unshakable. Yeah, I love it. So is it out already or is it coming out? Soon? Yeah, we did it. We did it two weekends ago and I think it should be out on YouTube in like another two or three weeks. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I'll look for it and put it in the notes so that people can see it. Uh, hopefully when the notes come out, it'll be out by then. So yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to transition us into what I call the rise up and be visible quick tips. So these are four questions that I ask every guest. So the first one. Visibility is, and fill in the blank, and why it's important the way you said it. Yeah, I think visibility is you making it easier for other people to uh, talk about you, understand you, and scale you. And that has to be very succinct and short. To the point. Yes, I love it. What are things that you're doing to be visible? We talked about some of them today, but are there other things that you're doing to be visible? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's being um, accessible and very consistent on LinkedIn or my website, the book, a lot of podcasts and interviews and just um, just being out there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Have you received any career or leadership advice that has really stuck with you and you would like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think there's probably two things. Uh, one is... <laughs> So I told you I wouldn't swear, but um, one is to just never, it's the no assholes rule. So 
you know, as you get further in your career, I, if something doesn't feel right or someone doesn't feel right, don't do business with them. I think life's too short. And I really am glad about that because it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is don't turn down an introduction. Those may seem like they're not um, aligned, but I think in that case is you just never know. It's really interesting. So the people you, I think good people know good people. So if someone says, I'd really like you to meet somebody, I will say why, like, Hey, tell me what you're thinking. Man, I've met some interesting people through the interesting people I know. So, that's so cool. And that's yeah. how you and I met, right? So <laughs> I think that's yeah. totally true. I love that. Good people know good people. I love that. And then yeah. the last one is any book recommendations that you might have. You know, this is actually I let me let me find you the um, the name. This is a friend of mine who just released this. It's called Tale of Potential, the Cinderella story you haven't heard. Oh, I love that. And it's by Joanna Buller. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She's a TED speaker, TED speaker, really cool. It just came out and um, just a very interesting take on, on how to, how to assess sort of what is opportunity and how do you capture it? I love that. I, I do talk about Cinderella a little bit in my book too. You know, there's just such a, such a good, you know, metaphor using Cinderella because most people know the story right of the whole fairy godmother and everything that goes along with that so yeah I love that so any other cool things that you're doing that are upcoming that you want to share with the audience uh you know just a lot of great really cool um corporate workshops and sort of leadership pledges so um you know really connecting again connecting this idea of who are you as a leader with outcomes and then our annual leadership retreat for women which is really fun um that's, that's what I'm doing. Just love every, every minute of every day. Wow. So different from where you started, right? With this conversation. <laughs> I don't think you were probably able to say that in that way. Yeah. There is no crying in airports. No crying There's in airports. There is no crying in airports that's anymore. That's amazing. I love that. Well, took control of nope. your life and designed it the way that you wanted it. So I love that. And you're helping a lot of people by doing it. So that's amazing. Well, thanks so much for being here. I totally love this conversation. And I know everybody who's listening is going to learn a lot from the very practical advice that you gave and some things that they can just start doing today to change how they show up and show their value, which is all about visibility for me. So I love that. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the Visibility Factor podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.